0: Is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward. And Brooke Ward. Now, here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk.
1: Let's fire!
0: All right, rolling along here, Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports, on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app. Brock. Uh, you're gonna love how I started the show an hour ago with one of your favorite words, faith.
2: Oh we ranked that a couple weeks ago.
0: actually last week. Uh, thank yeah. you for remembering. I yeah. appreciate uh-huh. that. Yes, we did spend uh, a little bit of time this morning talking about faith because you kind of need to see it every now <laughs> and again, right Sometimes you just even though you know it's there, you just need to see well, it. it takes <laughs> Showing you that door Run, gonna have Not always easy to do When you watch Geno Smith struggle in week one Have a little faith that uh-huh. he's still the same guy That had some success And who they uh-huh. paid in the offseason, etc And then you watch the Mariners lose Three in a row to a pretty good Dodgers team, right? Yeah it can be hard Ranked. I'm not redoing it. I'm just <laughs> letting you know that faith is important. And whereas I went down the Geno Smith road Please, at I 6 o'clock. I wouldn't know if you didn't have George Michaels uh-huh. and Lynn Biscuit. You wouldn't now have any idea. Yes, thank you. George Michael. Yeah. there's no
2: yeah, yes, uh, uh, Maura, it's George Michael. It's also Pike Place Market. <laughs> it's also <laughs> I hate Mozart. you all so much.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's also Nordstrom, but for whatever reason, people like throwing the S on <laughs> yeah. that one as well. Anyway. Uh-huh. It was nice to just see the Mariners win yesterday. Yes, just yes. just to be reminded of what it looked like. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. right. That's what this team looks like when they're going. They hit the ball. Mm-hmm. They come up with a home run. Caballero absolutely demolished that. I mean, He got every single ounce into that ball and destroyed mm-hmm. it. Their, bull, their bullpen, the pitching, the whole thing. Just a really nice, solid Mariner win from start to
2: finish. Couldn't have a better start to the final thirteen, right? Is that is that what we're at? I think we're twelve left now. Yep, twelve left. So the the final dozen here. Could not have had a better start. You know, when Scott said Sunday, you know, we're we're fine, we're good. This we we play great baseball. We're going to play great baseball the final two weeks. If he's if this about faith, then he's the minister right in charge of it all. And they get on the plane down to the Bay Area, and they yeah, you're absolutely right. You could not have written. A bit of a better script, other than unfortunately, Brash had to get up. I wish he couldn't, you know, wouldn't have to at least even get up there in the eighth or the ninth. But still, a huge difference, though. But I mean, not that getting up
0: is nothing, but getting Correct. getting warm versus throwing pitches in a game yep. with that yep. kind of stress on your arm and your mind is a, is a totally yep. different thing. So yep. that's a that's a huge game for them last night, just to get back on track. And yes, it it is it is not. Like the, 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 it doesn't show you're in a great team to beat the A's, but you got to do it and you got to be reminded. And if that's the thing that unlocks you for the final 10 games once you get there, then so be it. Here's the thing that I find myself thinking about with the Mariners right now I can kind of accept the return of a mediocre Mariner offense. I can accept it. Mm-hmm. I can't accept it terrible, but I can accept a relative return to a. You have more been more patient
2: offense. with the offense than anyone in this building. Anyone in the building. Uh, Bob, probably number one on the list. Maybe I'm, I don't know, tied for the silver medal. There There's others. But you have been the most patient with this Mariners offense the entire season. When some Logan of us wanted wrench. to jump. Who writes yes. for our website? Oh, yes, well, that's Brent excessively. The patiently. two bearded men. Yeah, the two bearded men. Does Brent have a beard? Brent <laughs> has a beard. Right? Oh, yeah, big yeah, He's a big beard, beard guy. Yes. So the two bearded the two yes. bearded men. Yes, I want to jump off the Titanic with no DH in April. I'm freaking out in, in in May. Colton Wong ain't hitting right. I'm losing my mind like many others in the building. But you, I you guess, I've just patient? sort
0: of felt like this offense is going to be somewhat cyclical this year. And that wasn't my opinion necessarily when the season began, but as we've watched them over the course of now five months, like, yeah, they're kind of just cyclical. And hopefully yeah, who they are. Hopefully yep. it gets hot in the last couple of weeks and carries them. But if it doesn't, Obviously, it's the pitching staff. You need the starters to go deep, but I still have a lot of faith in their starters. I know they've had a couple of down outings, right? And Kirby and Gilbert both kind of gave it up a little bit. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I'm going to ride with this starting staff. That's what got you here. And I'm going to absolutely ride, or die. ride with them. Ride or die. I'm holding my breath with the bullpen. It's the one. It's the one thing that you see how it can completely destroy a team in September and October. If you were flipping around yesterday or even just following on whatever your favorite website is that tracks sports, you were watching the bullpens of the Rangers and Astros just completely implode, right? The Rangers, this has been a problem now for months. Their bullpen, it doesn't matter who you put out there, is a disaster brock what did adam lynn tell you when scott service first got hired
2: you want to judge a manager son call me son you want to judge a manager <laughs> no, son didn't. no he didn't that's that's, <laughs> that's 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 a blatant falsehood maybe i threw that in my clothes felt that way with his cut off sleeves maybe it was more like bro you want to you want to judge a manager judge the way he handles a bullpen for the year right judge you know i'll make my judgment on scott service on how he manages well, his bullpen. Well, this year. do you want to
0: make a judgment on Bruce Bochy based on how he's handled his bullpen this year, too? I mean, yeah, Bruce, that,
2: Bruce got through a few rounds. Oh, I so mean, Bruce, Bruce
0: is fine. Yes, yeah, he's going to be fine. Yeah, his team's I completely
2: mean, collapsed
0: in every conceivable way in the second half. But we're just going to keep throwing accolades at Bruce Bochy forever and ever. Why? Because he's got the head of a dum dum, like one of those giant lollipop whoa, heads, going like to wobble whoa. back and forth. Get out of here. Bruce's Bruce's team, everybody was so excited. Oh, Bruce Bochy. Oh, veteran manager. Oh, this is so great. Bruce Bochy. Complete implosion in every facet Talk. of the game,
2: specifically Talk. his Talk. bullpen. We faced him face seven times.
0: Now I know. Not time. I'm now not, not talking trash about the team. They're if really the team. If you're
2: going to start a show with faith, okay, six minutes later, you can't be just tearing apart a dude's head. I'm just telling All you. Right?
0: I'm just saying. For all of the Bruce Bochy love that I saw early this year, I wonder where it's all at right now as his team's gone completely in the other direction. And the biggest reason has just been the bullpen. It's not Bruce's fault any more than it was his his unbelievable guidance that got them to that record to begin with. But his bullpen's been terrible. And if the Mariners are going to try to win this thing here in the final 10 games against Houston and Texas, you cannot be giving up runs late that bring the other team back into the
2: game. And you saw confidence meter, right? It cost now, both right. Texas teams last night. Confidence meter right now. Faith meter. Faith in meter, what? right? <laughs> faith meter right now. Rank them just like yeah. Dion does his kids. Faith meter right now in the bullpen. Rank your kids. How much faith you have in each of your kids in the bullpen? Start ranking them, Blend one through. In. How many are there? Seven, eight, ten. I have okay. by kids far out there. number one by far
0: the most faith in Matt Brash. All right, he's been nails this year. And And I know there's a a group of people that... It's a wild
2: ride when Brash gets out there. (laughs) So There's going to be a walk. He's been
0: unbelievable this year, honestly, especially in the second half of this year. He got a little babbitt in the first half of the year. Brash has been unbelievable in the most difficult
2: spots all year long. Brash is number one. By far, but by leaps and bounds.
0: Favorite. You know, this is a really good segment. I appreciate you doing this.
2: Uh, anyway. Um, you got to have faith. You All have, got have faith, faith in me. Oh, Play some George Michaels. I to do
0: an actual ranking, yeah. the pressure is just yeah, too now much. The, and
2: now the challenge to your faith comes on Play some George it's Michaels. It's not about that. It's about the fact that he's the only one that right now I have a lot of faith in. Everybody else is tied for seventh. <laughs> and no way George Michael was his real name. No way <laughs> did his parents name him George Michael, <laughs> More, I, I can totally feel you. Should at least be an S on the last name. Something is totally contrived. It's right just there. not right. Well, then, yeah. Topa still... was Topa was nails yesterday. Gosh, his stuff looked as good as it looked in a few weeks. Just the movement. And Topa everything and else.
0: Munoz are basically tied for me. Like, uh, you know, just depends on the day. I guess I, I'd put those two guys next, yep. and then Spire, and then everybody else.
2: Yep.
0: Right. Yep. I don't know who's next after that. It might be. It might be Thornton. It might be Campbell. But. I don't Campbell's, know. I mean,
2: Campbell's numbers, dude. You yeah, talk About numbers.
0: That's probably Campbell. Sasedo's um, certainly fallen off quite a bit here in the second half. Yeah. Campbell's probably next guy up for me in, in terms of who I'm looking at, but look, it, it doesn't matter who we have faith in. It just matters that these guys go out there and actually get it done in the biggest moments. Right, they've certainly. But you started have-
1: the show
2: with faith. I mean, it does matter. We got to have faith, Saul. We got to have it? faith in Gino. We got to have faith in Sauce. Have, we got to yeah. have faith in Pete Carroll. Have faith right? Hill, faith no more.
0: <laughs> faith no more might be the most accurate one at times. <laughs> Maybe we All should right. re rank faith at the end of the show. You know Let's That's something. actually not a bad idea. Let's you know, have we oh. ranked faith You'll yet? Even, you're not here
1: on Fridays. I have to sit through ranked alone. More and, guess and then you're what? gonna do this,
2: Maura, more, more Good news. <laughs> I'm with you for a few hours Friday morning. Yeah. Hey. Oh, you are? Oh, me. I'm going. Are you, are you kidding me? Oh, uh, what a bummer. What? <laughs> what? Well, I mean, it just doesn't allow <laughs> okay, us to never rank mind. faith I the way be. we really need I, to. I won't be from Bonneville and Salt Lake City. Then <laughs> I'm, Fine, just, I I'm just saying I that,
0: like, we have the opportunity to, you know, just have fun ranking faiths again. I still think that this we'll one's still going to be number one. Well, it takes a song baby, I'm you that door. All right, we'll be right back with everything you need to know. It is Brock and Salk Seattle Sports on
1: 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you
0: need to know. Up first. Well, you know, it's always nice to see is a combined shutout started by your fifth starter while you only have to use one leverage reliever in the game. That was exactly what the doctor ordered, and they got it last night. Heck of a game for the Mariners. Brian Wu did throw a bunch of pitches early, but he looked pretty darn good. Brian
1: looks in, has a sign from Torrens, The stretch and the 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss, and he gets him with a fastball for strike three. That is strike on number six on the night for Brian Wu. And once again, the A's leave two runners stranded. Holy smoke, the kid has been challenged, and he's been up to each and every challenge. Yeah,
0: he did throw a lot of pitches, but he got himself out of each jam, comes out in the after five, and gave it to the bullpen who went four scoreless. They were able to do so because they had a nice lead, thanks to this guy.
1: Here's Jose Caballero with a swing and a drive. Deep to left field, going and going, and goodbye baseball jose caballero just clobbers one out of the ballpark to straightaway left field his fourth home run of the season with dylan moore aboard and it's now the mariners three and the a's nothing
2: when was his last home run april it's been a while (laughs) it
1: feels like it's been so long and when you
0: see a guy hit a
2: home run like that not a little scraper no, that was like 440 feet and 109 miles now.
0: Don't you kind of think he should hit more of them? <laughs> I mean, exit God, velo per ball. pound,
2: he was like Drago. I mean, it, it was just destroyed last night. It really was. And, you know, if we're going to have a faith conversation, let's have some faith about Brian Wu. Second inning in Cincinnati gives up three, a three spot. Five runs in the first two innings. His stuff isn't there. His velo's not there. The, the kid is just done. All right? He, he's never been in something like this. He's never been stretched out like this. Scott keeps him in is pretty stern afterwards, mm-hmm. like, uh, son, you're in a major league starting rotation, you're going to pitch innings, and since that point, 13.2 scoreless innings, since that third inning in Cincinnati, two shutouts since then, a couple wins to get him, I know record and pitcher wins don't matter, but I'm sure for a young guy sitting there, nice to be 4-4 four and four in an ERA under 4, in a whip at 1.17, and 102, or 82 strikeouts now, in 80 really valuable innings pitched.
0: Yeah, pretty darn impressive. And last night was just crazy in the whole playoff race. It wasn't just the Mariners; it was the Rangers bullpen blowing another one. Rob Snyder coming up big against Will Smith. They fall four to two at home. So dead to tied now, exact same record. Tied there, and then Astros looked like they were going to win until they gave it up in the ninth. They had a two-run lead, and then Cedric Mullins made it eight-seven with an absolute bomb. Mariners right. How Mullins. about that? Blue Jays were off. So Mariners, as you said, tied with the Rangers game and a half behind Houston, game behind Toronto, 12 to play, The Rock on the Hill tonight, you know. Here's the second thing
1: you need to know. Well,
0: certainly sounding like good news on the Jamal Adams front. Jamal's
1: going to be going full speed this week. Uh, This will be, this is the week that we've been counting on to really cut him loose. And so whether or not uh, he plays or not, it it could be another week uh, from now, and, and we'll see how it goes. But this is—it's—it's it's exciting to see him. He had a great week last week. Uh, this will be even better. And uh, we'll be prepping for maybe that next
0: week. Yeah, he also was pretty encouraging in the status of Tariq Woolen. although he did say DK Metcalf was going to be pretty sore. So I'll be curious to see if he practices this week. I would still expect him to play, but curious to see if he's even able to go and practice or if they just basically give him the week off leading up to it. P was also feeling a whole lot better this week than he was a week ago.
1: He's way, 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 way better. Just forget what happened uh, the, other, the other time. We, but we had this chance with so many elements to this thing that, that made this a, a special opportunity um, because of all the build-up and because of their, their success and their hype and their and and their win, and the big win on the road and all that kind of stuff, er, er, all of those things. <laughs> and we're at the other end of the spectrum of it going into this thing with everything to gain, and our guys totally responded. I mean, the effort throughout the day, all phases, the, um, the belief that we're going to win the game throughout all phases, no matter what. It just
2: shows you and you're just reminded and watching the two Monday Night football games last night you you are reminded of the difference in basketball and baseball and maybe hockey to agree to a degree is the closest to football it takes everybody mm. it, it really you can't have just one pitcher just absolute nails nine innings shut out and you scrape one run. like you really do need the phases of it in the, at the NFL level you can get away with an elite running back in Pop Warner or high school or carry the whole load. But not at this level. It takes everyone. I think that's, and those are the kind of wins that Pete is most thrilled about. Right? Three takeaways on defense, and offense comes to life, and Geno delivers, and it just took everybody in the celebration post game that came out yesterday. Pretty cool, and I'm sure that plane ride home was fun as well.
0: Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, we got a chance to see their next opponent last night. Carolina didn't look particularly great. They lose to the Saints, and their offense. I don't know. Bryce Young doesn't look too great, at least to start. The offense doesn't look very good. Uh, Their defense, though, has got some dudes, Uh, and so you're going to want to be uh, pretty careful with that. Steelers beat the Browns. Nick Chubb, just an absolutely horrendous, horrendous injury. But how about Deshaun Watson? Complete meltdown. 22 of 40, three turnovers, two 15-yard roughing penalties on him, on the quarterback, and he still should have been ejected for pushing an official.
2: I'll remind you again how amazing Geno Smith's contract was. Yeah. I will remind you yet again why you do not guarantee somebody two hundred and fifty million dollars, especially with that dude's past. Yeah mask penalties. Titus and I are watching. I, I don't think I've ever seen a QB. Have you ever seen a QB in the NFL? No. With a face mask
0: penalty? No, it seems like he's almost become unglued, or at least that's yes, what it looked unhinged. like watching him yesterday. Meanwhile, Brock, things don't seem to be getting much better in Denver. Have you heard this sound yet? This Please is save Sean, it for Blue 88. Please no, I, 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 I got to play it. Sean Payton. We're,
2: we're late with personnel, getting out of the huddle. We took a while. I mean... That's gotta change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half and I'm not used to doing. We gotta be better and uh, I've gotta be better. Russ has gotta be sharper with, with getting it getting the play out, and then we gotta look at how much we have in. But um, you know, if we need to wristband it we will. Ugh. Was it last year we had wristband yes? Game? Pete. Pete kinda kinda let out a little helium on that one. Just kinda well, you know, which quarterback would wanna wear a wristband. Back to the wristband
0: debate. Man, what, a, what an absolute mess in Denver. That's everything you need to know a quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Yes, Brock will go a little more in-depth on that. Coming up in Blue 88 here in 20 minutes. Before we do, speaking of going in-depth, at the very end of that conversation with Pete, I feel like we learned something, Brock. Probably, maybe even beyond anything we've learned in one of these interviews in years. I really felt like I... I Not that we necessarily got it wrong, but that there was a lot more to the story than we realized over the course of the last seven days. It's coming up next on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. I started off the show this morning, probably to nobody's surprise, complaining about uh, I could just probably leave it there. Complaining—that's uh-huh. I know what people accuse me of doing all the time. But I was complaining a little bit about Mondays because I hate sitting by myself all day right. in that studio. on Mondays I'm just, I just feel so bad for you. I'm not built for that. I'm not no. built to sit by myself for four no, hours. No, Mike. No, I know no, you're not. Mike, I'm not. No. I'm just you are not communal. <laughs> I need to be. Yes, I'm communal. I don't like sitting by myself for that long. But it's worth it to get Pete in there in person at 9:30 and have that conversation. And there, are, you know, as, as great as it is. I think, to listen and hear the Pete interview, seeing him and being there in person and catching some of the body language and the way he says things is important. And I find it valuable. And I like being over there to sort of catch some of that. And I think it paid some dividends yesterday. And talking to Pete about the differences between week one and week two, I think it became clear, especially as I was sitting there. Maybe it was clear listening as well. But just hearing him in person and seeing the way he was talking about it, Mm -hmm. week one was worse than we thought. I mean, I think we knew it wasn't a great game. I think a lot of us instantly went to, all right, week one, what are you going to do? They came out flat, yada,
2: yada. Kind of. I mean, the second half. First it was half, real bad, right? The second yeah. half. The second and, half was and, maybe the worst half of football other than Todd Gurley Rams a few years prior. And there
0: like, were a few other things that sort of were hints, right? The, the shot of Geno and Lockett and a few other guys on the sideline looking morose the conversations and comments after the game about not being properly motivated, not being properly prepared.
2: Did Tyler have an oxygen tank behind him? Yes.
0: I I mean like I think
2: week one. It was it was pretty ugly. (laughs) And you put all
0: those things together and Pete did not sound you know, sometimes he'll come in after a loss and kind of re energize you a little bit. That didn't happen a week ago. So I kind of came back to it at the very end of the interview yesterday and said, All right, Pete was this worse than we thought in week one?
1: That was distinctly different than I had anticipated. What I anticipated is what, is what happened yesterday from these guys, and I went too far last week i 'll just say it. I went too far last week in in living it up at the end of, at the very end of the week, and it just changed it was so we were so freaking crazed going into the opener. And, and had so much fun with the buildup of it. I just felt like I went too far. Mm-hmm. And, and it just did, we didn't capture the essence of playing great football. And it showed in the second half, you know. And uh, so yeah, I was really pissed at myself <laughs> <laughs> the whole week. And, and uh, I thought that I could have done way better. But at the, at the other end of the spectrum, I'm thrilled about what we just did. It was a major accomplishment for this football team to know who they are. And uh, that's enormously powerful.
2: So we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. There's things we do better. There's things we do worse, right? And amongst friends, our spouses, family members, they can probably be the best gauge telling us, you know, hey, this is a real strength of yours. Uh, this one, this one you got a little, uh, you know, you, you got some area to grow in this one. This one's a little blind spot for you. For me? You, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm, I, I, no. I say that. But what did I do lead, wrong? <laughs> I say that is, is a lead in to something that you have said personally is a is a blind spot of yours. Sometimes you don't read the room real well. <laughs> Pete is a master at reading the room. Say all the things that you want about coach Carroll, you know, and we had this conversation last week and asked a number of guests about it. And, and he certainly has some trade-offs. He's hormonal. He's passionate. He's, you know, he's super, super emotional at times, but I'll tell you what, he reads the room with both his team, his staff himself. And he's willing then to express that and go, yeah, 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 this 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 has got to change.
0: Well, I, I think you, you hit on something very important there, Brock, because I think when I think about Pete and what he didn't like about that game, it wasn't their execution and it wasn't their scheme. It wasn't a lot of the things that other people from the outside focused on. Pete, maybe more than any coach or person I've ever known, as and this is right, you know, a cousin to what you just said, cares about energy. Mm -hmm. cares about the emotion, cares about the mental side of it. And I would say he spends a lot of his time over the course of a week on that. I, I think we have a tendency to believe that a coach like Pete is in the film room all week, dissecting every play and working on the game plan. And I'm not telling you he doesn't spend time on that. I'm sure he does. In fact, I know for a fact that he does. But I think one thing that we would all be surprised at is to learn how much time Pete spends just planning his emotional speeches and and uh, motivational tactics that that is in some ways an even more important part of his job. And every year. When owner X hires coordinator Y because he's the best coordinator out there, I think to myself, man, I wonder if he can do all those other things that coaches spend a
2: lot of their time on. And I would say Pete maybe more than anybody else. My mind now goes two ways. Okay? I'm going to take this conversation two different paths. You would genuinely now enjoy, and maybe it's because you've had to spend almost 15 years of your life around me, okay? Okay you would genuinely enjoy going on the road with me and sitting in our coaches' meetings of college football with coaches because of the curiosity factor of Jason Benetti, number one, and how much time that you've enjoyed sitting with coaches and managers. You know, I think it's it's become one of the favorite things that we get to do. And a couple of weeks ago, just this old D coordinator at Iowa State, been around the game forever, tremendous coach. Every single year his defenses are great. And he grew up under Bo shimbeckler and I don't think in any world you would put Bo Beckler and Pete Carroll in the same <laughs> conversation, okay? You wouldn't. And yet, you know, when Benetti asked him a question of like, biggest imprint, or what was Bo like? Because he was a GA at Michigan and came up and he goes, you know what the biggest misperception of Bo Beckler was? Everybody thinks he was this Vince Lombardi, drill sergeant, X's and O's. He spent his time thinking about nothing but the mentals. Nothing about but the mentality of his football team and he would say it all the time it's 4x the mental part of this game is 4x not just the mental of like learning the plays and knowing the scheme of having your team mentally in a space Ready to play.
0: Well, so if that's where Pete spends a lot of his time, and I think we both agree with that, and it kind of gets reinforced on a day like yesterday when he's talking about it, I think it became pretty clear that not only were they not in the right mental space for it, Pete said they got too hyped ahead of time, and then basically came out flat the next I've been day. There. Okay, I've been there. I've I understand that. that. Uh-huh. Yes, I have broken as well. chalkboards. Yeah, I, you no. know what? The, the most hyped I'd ever gotten for a football game. Our whole team. We came out, gave up the opening kickoff, and lost six nothing. <laughs> yes, right. Like I. Get it like it, it, that is yep. not it is it, there is something to that and coming out the wrong way and, and in this case the next morning, yep. but I think maybe more concerning was that that energy seemed to stay with them for a few days, and it wasn 't until Bobby was able to get out there and 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 change the course of the week
1: let 's say this uh, we have been pretty good over the years of coming back mm-hmm. and bouncing back, and we have a real format and we have a mentality and, a, and teachings and all that stuff that I would like to think helps us return to focus regardless of what just happened and and that was one of those examples and opportunities again that we're going to need you know we're going to we're going to need it again there's a there's a whole way of approaching it and and bobby could feel that they didn't they didn't understand that yet they hadn't gained you know hadn't had enough happen to this young team and and so he he snapped their neck around you know and and uh, with what he said and and it was boston awesome to watch it, and, and it carried all the way through the whole game
2: we talk about a locker room taking over a, a team. That that's always the best. That, that is so emblematic of that right there. That's what it looks like. It isn't the whole locker room of 53 guys And this. No, it's one or two of your great leaders. I, I was telling that exact story to a couple people yesterday, and one of them happens to be in the NFL Hall of Fame, and the other one is a college player and everything, and the, and the college guy goes, that, right there, that's what the Broncos have not had for six years. They've been in the wilderness. They have not had a player That is able to do that to take the coach's message, and let's also remember now this is forty-one percent first and second year players Mm. that are then married with this like alpha, right? This absolute lion, this guy, right, is is the captain of it. So it's a really young team, and in I I mean, what would they pay Bobby? Six million. I, mean, I think you could almost argue that his whole salary was worth being paid for that win Sunday. <laughs> just, just for that win and what just he did. I think it's a really good point. And let me give you my other second. I didn't get yeah. to go my second way. The other thing that came to my mind as we were talking about this is the struggles in New England for Bill Belichick. Because you know what Bill Belichick is? He is that coach in a dark office for 20 hours. He is that one putting together all the scheme. But you know what Tom Brady was? The perfect compliment to, to then take the, the emotion and the mental in the self belief and the team belief in all of the other stuff, all of the mentality. Talk to Damon, talk to Drew, talk to the guys that were there. It was Tom's just never ceasing Pete Carroll positive fortitude. Like I, I laughed out loud when Pete's like, huh? You know, held on to that positive thought. Shocker. Like, uh, of course you did. Mm-hmm. And that was Tom. Tom's greatest asset was we're never going to there's nobody that's going to beat us. And he was such a conduit to all that mentality. And so you take the coach in the dark room with all the matchups and X's and O's with Tom Brady and guess what? You have the greatest dynasty in NFL history. You unplug one of them and what have they become in New England? Unbelievably average. I mean just unbelievably average, kind of what he was in Cleveland. Right? I mean, kind of kind of playoffs, maybe make the playoffs, but nothing more. Not a dynasty. I mean, it took it took both of them. It took Bill's X's and O's, and then it took the mentality. You know, it really did because Bill was not a mentality guy. Positive, he kept everybody on edge. He was brutally honest. He blunted all those things. I, I do. I, it, the longer this is, goes, it is
0: interesting to see how much yins need yangs, right? I mean, like it, it is, and and it's true of Pete. It's true of. Yeah, you, know, you and me. I mean, like it yes. just—it yins tend to need yangs in order yep. to balance off some of their rough spots or weaknesses. Kind of where we started this conversation. Yeah, uh, I think that's well said. I also think that you know your your point about Bobby is really really important and what he was able to do to earn his salary maybe just in that one game by being the person who could explain it to everybody else who could sense it who could feel it yeah. and who could bring the whole thing around. I thought it was telling that Pete said they've got a system in place for dealing with loss. That they they have a, a not loss losses I should say not for not for deaths but for dealing with when they lose. And how to bounce back. And he's right. They have been pretty darn good at bouncing back after losses for most of his time here. And if he felt like it wasn't going the right way and the yeah. energy still wasn't right, yeah. I do think back on Gino hanging his head at the end of the game. I do think back at Tyler Lockett and the oxygen machine. I do, th- <laughs> those are your other captains. Mm-hmm. I do think, right, about what that all looked like and, and mm-hmm. just how important it was that Bobby, the captain of captains, comes in and says, hey, guys. This is how we do it around here. This My, is what it means. This is what it really means to be a Seahawk yeah. over the last decade plus. And, and kudos to him. That's that's really, really, that's, that's the stuff of legends, man. I got to yeah. tell you, we have at times been critical of Bobby and, and the splash plays, et cetera, over the last few years. So far this season, mm-hmm. he's made the hits in the running game. Mm-hmm. He's gotten into the backfield and made some big plays as well. I mean, not huge turnovers yet, but I think Bobby has done everything you'd want of a middle linebacker in the run game. And throw in this level of leadership, I got to tell you, it's pretty great having Bobby Wagner back right now.
2: We'll address a little bit of some Blue 88 with the Russell and Sean Payton question here. But just uh, your gut, your hunch, your your feeling, being around it a long time. Do you think Bobby did that all on his own? Or do you think that there could have been a little bit of lean into by Pete to say, hey, you know, what are you feeling? A little just open, you know, conversation to to hope that Bobby would do that. You know, it'd be interesting to see that whole interaction. I don't know. My gut tells me that that was Bobby driven. But I also know how humble and egoless Pete is that if he had a little role in it, he was never going to say it. Mm -hmm. He was was never going to take even a slice of that credit. He was going to let Bobby have all of it because he was ultimately the one that delivered the message that certainly seemed to flip the switch to get those guys going in the right direction.
0: Well, if it did, again, we'll start to point to some of these moments as turnarounds for this team after a week one loss that that obviously was a lot worse than certainly I thought it was, maybe than you thought it was and mm-hmm. and credit to a lot of the of the listeners, callers, etc., you guys were pretty bummed out, pretty upset about the way that first game went. I don't know if it was for the same reasons as Pete, because I think most people were pointing to scheme, talent, execution, etc. And in Pete's world, he doesn't look at those things. Not to say they're not important, Mm -hmm. but he looks for – those don't concern him the same way, because you can fix them. You can fix scheme. Oh, if the scheme's broken, we'll
2: fix it. You can line the pawns up in in a different way. You can outmaneuver at times. Your rook can beat somebody else's bishop. You can find a way to do that. But
0: if the emotion of the team isn't right, and he feels like he could have – to altered that by handling the lead-up to the game a little bit differently, mm-hmm. I get it. That eats at him, and that's the type of thing that he was able to correct. So good stuff from Pete. Really enjoyed that. If you get a chance, go back, listen to the whole conversation. You can find it at seattlesports.com, Seattle Sports app, or wherever you get your podcast. right now. Time for a little Blue 88. Hey!
1: This is Rock Sox Blue 88.
2: Blue 88!
1: We take you to the field as Brock Heward breaks down three football questions as only he can.
2: Now here's your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saw. All
0: right, Brock, question number one. Good news. Sounds like Jamal Adams is going to be out there full go at practice this week. Don't know if he's going to be playing yet, but Pete sounded pretty encouraged.
1: Jamal's going to be going full speed this week. Uh, this will be... This is the week that we've been counting on to really cut him loose. And so whether or not uh, he plays or not, it, it could be another week uh, from now. And, and we'll see how he goes. But this is it's, it's exciting to see him. He had a great week last week. Uh, this will be even better. And uh, we'll be prepping for maybe that next week.
2: So you're going to want to see a couple things here. Number one, how does he respond to going full speed Wednesday and Thursday? Right? We, we've seen this a couple different times already this season. Full go on Wednesday, yeah, a little groin on Thursday, non-participant. I think that was Ken Walker, you know, week one or in the build-up to week one. So is he able to give you a full-speed Wednesday, a full-speed Thursday? And, and if so, then... You flying? give Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Then give him an opportunity to go play. I mean, Jordan Brooks got to full-speed in training camp, and this is off of an ACL in January. And the dude has been full-speed, raring to go, in terrific the opening couple weeks. Devin Witherspoon at the full speed last week after two hamstring injuries had slowed him down and you know i know that there is a bevy of injuries that jamal brings to the table a lot of those have been upper body right shoulder fingers and other things this is a real first significant lower body but if he is full speed now this is where it gets very entertaining (laughs) because i i am so curious to see where he plays where does he play I mean, Julian Love, and I'll get to him in a second, has been eh, been very average the first couple weeks out the gate. And they're very different players with totally different skill sets. There's been a lot written that uh, he is bigger, he being Jamal. Like, hey man, when you come back, sure like to see you play Will Linebacker. Me reading between the lines and listening to Pete, I get a sense there's been a lot of coaxing with Jamal. Hey, Take care of you, man. You got to trust us here. Maybe some trust has been broken. Maybe it's been very hard, circumstantially, and, and I totally get all that. But trust me on this, man. I got your best. I want your best, and your best may be a lot more will linebacker than you've ever played in your life. So, well, what does that do then? I thought Jordan was your will Isn't linebacker. Jordan playing pretty well at middle line and He's will playing linebacker, pretty well will linebacker. So do you move Jordan to Mike on some third downs with Bobby? Is it does Bobby want to come off the field in those situations or? Do you put jamal in the spot that devin bush was in a lot week one which frankly didn't work great your three linebacker set with three backers out there i mean it's this is uh, this is about for an individual player about as fascinated as i've been schematically of where they're going to put him. because I, I my gut again my hunch as many times as he's around the line of scrimmage the better for him, for the team, for all of it. As a blitzer, guess what he does? He didn't come down the middle of people when he blitzes. He gets on edges. That's why he set the NFL record as a DB with nine and a half sacks or whatever it was in 2020. Like, this dude knows how to blitz. So I am I am as curious watching him play schematically as any Siaka for the last 14 years.
0: Alright, question number two. I gotta play this sound again and get your reaction. Sean Payton asked yesterday about their issues with getting to the line of scrimmage on time
2: where we're late with personnel getting out of the huddle we took a while i mean that's got to change we had to burn timeouts in the first half and i'm not used to doing we got to be better and uh, i've got to be better russ has got to be sharper with with getting it getting the play out and then we got to look at how much we have in but um, you know if we need to wristband it we will okay what's he saying there He's saying and pointing out to everybody, there's one common denominator between Daryl Bevel, Schottenheimer, Waldron, Nathaniel Hackett, and Sean Payton. That's now five play callers, and five of them have had issues burning timeouts in the first half, not getting out of the huddle, not having, so five of them, and he's telling you that we're going to put a wristband on Russ and you know you know what is so counter to that Saul, because that comes out of my mouth do you remember they mic'd him up his rookie minicamp and what stood out yeah he knew everything everything right off the bat River tech let's see us run the GU corner halfback flat right he could call every play sounded like he'd been there 10 years so what what has transpired and what ha- has happened over that time and you know what now there is a lot of language and sean payton's system has a lot of language a lot of double plays, a lot of kill twos, a lot of plays with 14, 15, 20 words. So you know what you should do? Put it on the wristband so you can read it. I have no idea. Again, same conversation yesterday with a couple football people and a pretty esteemed quarterback. He's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I put three wristbands on my kid. Like just read, just read the, it saves time, right? It's the same reason they've got pitch clocks or a pitch, um, pitch, calm. pitch com like, okay, here. Here it is. Here's the play. Here's, here's the call. Let's go. Let's go. I, I really have no idea why you would be hard pressed. And maybe this week, Russell will have four wristbands. He'll have two on his right and two on his left. And whatever, just call them all. Just get out of the huddle. Crazy. <laughs> Dude, Peyton sounds so mad. Crazy. <laughs> He's so mad. Question number three. We knew this was coming with him. I know. You knew with adver- once adversity hit. Yes. And you're 0-2. And, and oh, by the way. Russ has got like a QB rating of Like from a rating and efficiency standpoint. And he's played two unbelievable halves, and then they've not closed. But you knew when adversity comes, Sean Payton is not going to be afraid to throw Russ under the bus. Unbelievable.
0: All right, question number three. Who you got your eye on, Brock? I think you already
2: sort of teased this one yeah, ahead. Yeah, Julian Love. Who you got your eye on? Julian Love. First couple weeks here, I think you've seen... And and if this sounds super harsh, I don't mean to be. I'm going to hold on to a positive thought and I'm I'm going to try to be positive. But I think you're seeing the first couple of weeks why he was available to the market at the rate it was. Right. I mean, it was it was and why the Seahawks were able right at the time was like, wow, how did they get him on that deal? How did they sign him to that? looks like a great deal. And then, oh, by the way, why is he coming here with Jamal and and Quandre? And why are you spending more money at safety? And it's like, because it was a really good deal. It was a good deal for the Seahawks. Get a starter, a smart player, a versatile player, all of these things. But I think the first couple weeks it's shown a little bit that he's maybe not the most dynamic. Not going to hit you and knock your block off, right? Not going to jump up and and pick a ball and watch. He does both this week, and Mm -hmm. I sure hope he does but I think yeah that's what's resonated with me a little bit he's been good he's been fine he's not just given up the huge plays that some of the backup safeties did a year ago but there's not really been that plus play it's a lot of singles right is there an extra base hit Ty France has one extra base hit in 24 games I need an extra base hit. can I get an extra base hit out of you Julian just something I'm going to keep an eye on again two weeks here getting comfortable in the system Full, full speed reps didn't play much in the preseason, if at all. So I'm gonna give him a little grace period. But yeah, I got my eye a little bit on Julian and just some of the difference making plays. I'd sure like to see. All
0: right, that is today's Blue 88. That's uh, yeah, I think I did expect a little bit more based on you know him being you know, start of the way they were talking about him. Kind of expecting a little now, more. Now he was better Julian.
2: week two. He was right in the lap of guys week two. Week one, I think there was some little hesitation. There was some communication issues and everything else. I still don't know. How Amon Ross St. Brown caught that ball on yeah he was he was he was on him I mean it was glue, and he ripped through his arm and the ball, and still somehow some way that dude made the play so those are the kind of difference making plays we need to see.
0: All right, let me uh, just sort of run down. Jeff Passon's going to be with us of course at eight 30 as he is every Tuesday, looking forward to that uh, tomorrow uh, we've worked it out. Tim Kirchin is going to come join us at uh, seven thirty.
2: Like real Tim, Kikcher, uh, yeah, Tim Kirchner? yeah, not Kyle
0: imitating Tim Kershner, actual like Tim Kirchner. Real
2: Kirchner. Yeah, Thanks.
0: man, it's uh, you know going to at that point be down to your final eleven games. So we'll talk to Tim to kind of preview that starting at eleven a.m. or at uh, excuse me, starting at seven thirty tomorrow, and then of course, sorry about that. KJ will be in for the uh, eight o'clock hour, and then Thursday uh, before we have Jerry Depoto, we're going to have Ion
2: Eagle. Do you know Iron Eagle? I don't know the eagle. So we've never talked to him
0: on the show, but Uh -uh. he and I have a mutual friend who has been trying to tell me that that Ian is essentially like the funniest person he knows for years what? So I did text a little bit with him yesterday. I got to tell you, I was laughing out loud at his text. Okay. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And uh, maybe that'll be a new relationship for us. Uh, yeah. Ian Eagle going to join awesome. us. He's got the game this weekend with Charles Davis. Charles Davis. Yes. Who's also really good. So that should be fun. We'll talk to Ian Eagle on Thursday morning. All right. Um, gosh, I want to go around the NFL, but I don't know that we have enough time next.
2: There's so many. We got to go around the NFL. You want to do gotta, it next? We got to We always There's say so this, and we run out of time in the All right, week. We fine. We're going to go
0: it. around the NFL. We're not going to waste Thank time. You. We're going to go very no. quickly through about six clock. pieces of sound that you have to hear next on Brock and Salk.